0: You're listening to the airline briefing, the industry affairs podcast from IATA, keeping you up to date with the most vital issues facing aviation today.
1: Welcome to another industry affairs podcast. Uh, my name's Chris Gotha from the IATA Corporate Comms team. Um, the latest stats on on traffic uh, in January and February have been a very cold shower for the air travel industry and and restart, I'm afraid, seems almost as far away as ever. But there is some light at the end of the tunnel. The vaccine rollout is gathering pace, and there's been a lot of talk about vaccine passports, which we've already touched on in, in previous podcasts and we'll certainly come back to. Um, but today, uh, we're not going to talk about vaccines um, because despite the intense interest, vaccine passports. It's actually testing that offers the best way to safely restart travel. That's because it isn't necessarily practical or fair to make vaccination mandatory for flying. In fact we've been very very clear as an industry that we do not support the idea of mandatory vaccination for flying. There are always going to be large numbers of people who cannot be vaccinated Um, and so pre-departure testing, which is something the industry has consistently called for, for for a year or more, is a crucial tool In in the box for governments um, if they're looking to restart travel and ensuring, obviously, that COVID can be controlled and eliminated. So, the situation, though, when we're looking at testing is very fragmented. It's a long way from meeting the criteria that the industry has laid out that it should be accurate, convenient, and affordable. So, to talk about this issue today, uh, we've got two guests. We've got our our usual guest, uh, Sebastian Mikos, our our Senior Vice President for Member External Relations. Uh, Good day to you, Sebastian.
0: Hello, Chris. Good day to everybody.
1: Excellent. And we also have with us James Wiltshire, who's uh, Assistant Director in the uh, Member External Relations team with a particular focus uh, on these health and safety issues around COVID. So uh, hi to you, James.
2: Hi, Chris. Good to be with you.
1: Fantastic. So um, I'm going to start with you, Sebastian. Let's uh, let's look at this situation with regard to, to testing. Would you say, is it fair, say that the the testing situation for passengers in the industry is confusing inconsistent and inefficient
0: (laughs) yes that's the very polite way of putting this i would put it maybe less politely i would call it a complete total confusing mess so first first of all let me remind that testing was the main advocacy uh vehicle uh last year we we were advocating very strongly for testing um, as a tool to prevent quarantines and as a, as a way of managing the risk in reopening international traffic. And as IATA, we're consistent, we consistently um, are, are supporting the idea that testing should be, uh, should be continued and should be um, uh, an action uh, added to the vaccine. But the problem is that the more we test, the, the less we know how to test and with, with what. And our job as an airline association is to create conditions in which passengers uh, knows what to expect when they are traveling. Because at the very end, it's all about safe travel and safe international travel. And when preparing for this uh, uh, conversation today, you know, I, I had this few sentences uh, confirming my theory on total uh, uncoordinating testing mass. So, so I cannot stop myself from reading you those three sentences because this is, in a nutshell, uh, what a passenger uh, is going through. France insists on pre-departure PCR tests for international arrivals, but if you further arrive from a high-risk country, there is an additional test required. In the same time, UK uh, testing standards exclude the non-rapid test uh, options and it requires a pre-departure and then two further tests on the second and eight day after arrival. On the other hand, Spain accepts a pre-departure test and accepts several testing methods, but not antigen. But then the UK, uh, the US, sorry, requires a pre-departure test, but accepts multiple testing, including antigen. While Japan requests a pre-departure and on arrival from all destinations, but accepts several types of tests, but not antigen. Now, China requires a pre-departure test in transit, on arrival and requires the antibody test in addition to a PCR. Uh, while Brazil requires a pre-departure PCR test. So, frankly, after reading these few sentences, I think there will be a new specialty, which is PhD on vaccination <laughs> and on testing, because how a passenger can, you know, understand uh, what is really required where, knowing that the world ha- has been, before COVID, completely interconnected, and we had the freedom of traveling. And by the way, we also had... Uh, vaccinations and uh, uh, that were mandatory uh, to travel uh, to, to many countries. We didn't have testing, indeed, but it was much clearer when you were going to Asia or to Africa or to any uh, dangerous uh, uh, um, zone. Uh, what vaccines and what to do? It was crystal clear. Now, on top of this uncertainty, you have this. So, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm a bit desperate. <laughs> yeah, that our, no, our testing the message is is everything
1: but clear you've you summed it up with that I mean that's just a crazy different way of, of looking at the situation with so many different requirements in different countries so clearly you know harmonization standardization is crucial but I think the other thing we want to explore today is that it's also vital that governments agree on the kind of test that that people have because there are very Various different ones, and, and and James, we're going to come to you in a minute to describe maybe some of those differences. Um, but the, the the key thing for us is we've got this thing called a PCR test and a rapid antigen test. These are two very different tests, and we're very clear that we want to see governments accept rapid antigen testing rather than PCR tests. And there's some very good reasons for that. So, I mean, Sebastian. I would suggest maybe cost is is a very important one.
0: What, what's your view on that? Yeah, so so actually, the, the, on top of the mess, it's a costly mess. So we will have two theories: it's a mess and it's a costly mess. And uh, we have uh, this Oxera report that James will will talk about much more. But uh, when you take uh, when you take uh, the average cost due to uh, testing that is added to the trip, that actually is a it's a huge danger for our industry because our industry has been pushing tremendous efforts to lower the average ticket price over the last three decades. Now we have a situation in which uh, I will share my personal experience because I think it's what's, what's, what's really uh, appealing to that and, and it was what really emotionally even touched me. If you want to go within Europe uh, for a weekend, I have a family of five So basically for two days uh, the budget travel which is the cost of the ticket plus the cost of a hotel for five it is equivalent was equivalent for 1000 euro okay so to go from switzerland to spain which is open and has open hotels now in order to comply with regulations a family of five uh, needs to take tests on departure and on arrival uh pre-departure both ways But I did a calculation and actually it doubled the cost of the weekend. So going on a leisure weekend would cost my family one equivalent of 1000 euro in budget of of, uh, travel and and accommodation. But then an additional 1000 euro would be necessary to pay for PCR tests both ways for a few days. That makes it impossible. So basically we didn't go even though... Hotels would need it. Restaurants would need it. Uh, we would need it psychologically as well. Uh-huh. Uh, not not being on a, any weekend since since four months now or five months. So uh, this is becoming an issue which is equally important as harmonization. Because it doesn't matter if you harmonize, if, if, if most of our customers cannot afford to travel. And, uh, you know, the statistics are, 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 are absolutely... Uh, horrible on that. We have uh, connections in which um, a PCR test uh, is making uh, a, a trip uh, for a family of four more than doubling the cost of the tickets. I will not go through all the all the, uh, the percentages, but basically the budget of testing is bigger than the budget of travel. Right. And the restart of the industry. That's a very, very serious threat uh, to a quick reopening, uh, and, and we need it desperately. So this, this issue of, of, of cost of testing is, is really something that Ayata, but all of us, should be looking extremely closely uh, in the next weeks, not months.
1: And it's not just the cost, is it? I mean, there's also issues around like the capacity for, for producing PCR tests, the, the time it takes to get the results. These are all going to
0: also impact on the on restart for travel, right? Absolutely. And let me just quote one example uh, that UK, which is opening uh, uh, slowly its market now, uh, if they require PCR tests uh, continuously as they do now, and the traffic would be back to pre-COVID level, the the lab capacity could only treat 25% of 2019 level passengers. So it means that systemically we have a structural problem on top of that for the PCR test, which is demanding because it requires a special machine, a special lab. So even if you put those machines at the airport, it still requires a couple of hours. So uh, the alternative of antigen personal tests is, is becoming the only alternative. And by the way, uh, our report, uh, Oxera report, is showing that they are becoming equally reliable as PCR tests. So we have to push for those tests as being an alternative to the standard one that the PCR that is done today.
1: Right. So I want to pick up on that on that point that you were just saying there about the effectiveness of the tests. I want to bring James in here. You know, we've just heard and we've established that there's a strong practical test case sorry, for, for antigen testing. But of course, the, the, if you like, the counter argument is that the effectiveness of tests um, is, is vital for public safety. And up to now, a lot, not all, but a lot of governments have been insisting that PCR is required because antigen testing is just not reliable enough. So, you know, is that presumption accurate, James?
2: Thanks, Chris. Great question to, to, to lead off with. Um, I'm going to start actually by picking up where Sebastian left off, actually. And this this point around timing capacity is also important because um, obviously if you can do the antigen test closer to the time of departure, that's that's already better than a 72-hour a PCR test that was taken three days before travel. Um, so the practical issues also link into the into the, the medical side of this, there's also been a huge amount of progress on the antigen testing technology. So, WHO specifies that um, any test, PCR or antigen or other technology, should have um, a sensitivity of greater than eighty percent and a specificity of greater than greater than ninety-seven percent. And now, there's a huge number of antigen tests that meet that at levels that are almost to so the the same accuracy um as as PCR um and what does sensitivity and specificity mean so sensitivity is the chance you're going to um, not miss somebody who actually does have COVID and specificity is the um the likelihood of falsely identifying somebody as um, infected with COVID when in fact they're not um, And the solution to that second point, and one of the concerns with antigen testing has been that um, because antigen tests are less accurate, there will be more of these false positives. And so you'll need to do a secondary test that can be PCR. That's fine. Your confirmatory test can be a PCR, Um, but there is no good reason I think now in terms of accuracy for not using antigen as the primary testing of of all travellers.
1: Right, so that that's absolutely vital piece of information that governments need need to have, and and it wasn't just the comparison with PCR. I think that the Oxera report um, also looked closely at the impact of testing versus quarantine, and that also showed that that in fact an antigen test could could be comparable. Is that right?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and again, this talks to the sort of the timing of that test. You can do it in the twenty four hours before departure. And and also, you know, some of the behavioral aspects that we're seeing with quarantine that um, the longer the quarantine period is um, compliance drops. So if you have a 10 or a 14 day quarantine period by the back end of that um, into that second week that um, compliance starts to drop Uh, and people who may in fact be infected start going out into the community and Potentially create a a, a transmission risk. Um, obviously, compliance with a rapid antigen test would be much higher.
1: Right, and I think there was one other point that that I'd I noticed, which was interesting as well, which was that they'd modeled the uh, the kind of prevalence of COVID among travellers arriving in, for example, the UK, and that, if I've understood correctly, was was actually lower than the average from their point of departure. So in effect. Um, you're already seeing uh, a, a self-selecting group of people who are traveling that, that have a lower prevalence of COVID, which further adds to the reassurance that governments should be able to take from this. Have I kind of understood that correctly?
2: Yeah, and I think it's worth having a sort of a, a look into why that is as well. So I think one of those things is that clearly um, we've got a lot of evidence that quarantine is a real deterrent um, to travel, but also the threat of quarantine um, exercise is a powerful um, incentive to to comply with the rules. So there's some evidence that travelers before going on a trip take precautions to not put themselves in scenarios where they could contract COVID uh, driving this this prevalence down. But I think you're also right to raise the point of um, a prevalence of, of where the traveler's is coming to, but also the state and the community. And I think it's important to talk about as vaccines roll out. um, I know we're not talking about vaccination of travellers here, but there is vaccination of populations and what that does to relative risk. Um, And we're now in a situation in some of those countries um, that have progressed a long way with their vaccination programmes. And I'm thinking of Israel, the UK, the US increasingly, where the mortality risk of COVID is all but eliminated. Yet with these PCR requirements and, and quarantines, we're seeing um, measures which are in many cases more stringent than they were a year ago, even though the risk to the community is many, many orders of magnitude lower than it was. It's quite disproportionate.
1: Wow. So, you know, I think, uh, well, what we've tried to picture for you, the listener today, is 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 really what why we're so convinced that that antigen testing is 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 a is a method that governments can be assured is still going to protect public health but it gives that option for travel to restart in the way that it wouldn't i mean I'm, we're recording this on the 15th of april there are stories today of 6 hour queues at heathrow and so on um uh, for people getting through so so you know moving forward with more efficient processes whether that's for vaccination or for testing and so on is going to be is going to be vital and when we look at those markets that are trying to restart, UK is is one that we talked about a little bit, and I just want to I don't want to go too much onto the UK, but uh, I think it's worth just looking at this very, very carefully because um, the information that, that you've just been hearing from James and Sebastian was submitted to the UK, and they uh, last week announced that, you know their roadmap for reopening in a little more detail. We didn't quite get what we were looking for on the PCR testing. So there is a lot of pressure on them to to agree an alternative, um, but we didn't quite get there. And I know, James, you're, you're someone with direct experience from from your previous uh, roles a few years ago. You know, um, you've got direct experience of the machinery of UK government decision making. Do you sense the wheels are turning on this? Is there any more evidence that we need to provide? Why, why have they not quite moved yet to what we uh, what we think the evidence clearly shows?
2: I, it's um you know really interesting question Chris uh, and I certainly don't have um you know all the answers or a crystal ball but I think one thing I would say is that the the cost aspects that Sebastian's been talking to really seem to be cutting through and I think you know this is um Sebastian explained the implications for his family uh, of this um you know the, the, the cost of testing and that has real equity um considerations for you know it basically makes travel something which is only accessible to those people who can afford not just the travel itself but the testing think uh, lots of families who've been suffering through for more than 12 months now with with lockdowns haven't seen friends and relatives haven't had a good holiday um will be excluded from that um because of the cost of testing i think that's um an issue which has uh, generated real concern within the UK, and I think there is a real pressure to see momentum on that. When we, we add into this the fact that, you know, as context, the WHO guidance is really clear on the cost of testing that travellers shouldn't have to pay. It should be where states require testing of travellers, states should cover that cost, and that's not something we're seeing. And I think if states did have to, Cover the cost of testing; they would think more carefully around which tests they um, require. If they, yeah, good point. Available.
1: Yes, that might that might focus minds a bit. So, all right. Well, just to conclude, back to you, to you, Sebastian, you sort of look zooming out to the more global view which you have. You know, are you a bit more confident that we might start to see governments? sorting out this mess that you described at the start do you think that um, we've got you know an opportunity to to persuade them to move to the kind of model that we desperately need if we're going to restart this industry
0: yes i am optimistic and and let me bounce on what you just both discussed because I, i i am not emotionally involved with the uk so i will rather defend the uk we, we we said then you said chris that we shouldn't focus on the uk but the reason why we keep quoting this country is because the government has taken a decision to reopen and has done a roadmap. and actually it's uh, you know they are suffering by being the the first mover uh, so of course they make mistakes of the of the first mover, but I much more prefer to have this problem than have a problem uh, that we have in other countries like Canada or China which are fully closed to international traffic. so right. of course first of all uh, let let me stress that from a global perspective we keep quoting uk as the as the place that that has created a roadmap has given indications and for the airline and and uh, industry but also for hotels and all the travel you know culture sport, etc it's a very good point. it's a very good um, uh, document to see that there is a you can plan something and, and and focus on that. So that's number one. That of course doesn't take completely uh, from sight the fact that that this uh, this problem of infrastructure and costs is is now is now uh, re- re- remaining. You know, uh, James was quoting the, the cues, you were quoting the cues, but the, the, uh, at, at Heathrow, in our own press release, we're mentioning that the processing time of an antigen is hundred times faster than a PCR. That tells you everything. Uh, people and our customers need to arrive a little earlier to the airport. We all need to learn the new habits, but it is impossible to have an infrastructure if you don't go that that direction. Uh, then Then, you know, coming back again to to, to to the UK this example we we are also quoting here is that a family of four traveling from UK to Canary uh, Island needs to take 16 tests and mm-hmm. uh, at an overall cost of close to 2000 euro so what is the point of this the point is to say that we as airline keep advocating open markets do the testing okay vaccinate uh, whoever wants to be vaccinated the, re- the because our reason of existence is to carry people and to contribute to re-engage the GDPs of the countries, to to, to bring the GDPs like like me wanted to go to to a weekend, but like people wanted to see family, friends and relatives that they didn't see. So the point is that now we are not doing this. So we are contributing to making huge margins of some uh, test producers, fantastic for them. But that was not the point of reopening international traffic. The point of international traffic to make is to bring people so they flood the whole economy with the revenues that were withheld since at least at least a year. So I am optimistic that by recording this type of podcast, making public uh, uh, statements on this, public pressure, governments will go into that. And the last government I would blame in that is the UK government because actually I think that they will they, if they have an alternative and maybe if they pay for the tests, then the UK taxpayers will very quickly push for antigen tests. But 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 I, I really would like us all to have the problem of. Open markets and vaccination and testing costs, rather than closed markets. So it's it's a it's a good move move forward, and I hope I really hope we would, keep, would save at least part of the summer traffic uh, between continents. That that would be something uh, because uh, you know our members cannot take uh, two years of 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 lack of huge uh, international uh, long haul traffic.
1: Indeed, indeed. Well, on 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 the optimistic note that you mentioned there, that, that you know you do see government's moving on. I hope so. I think we've Done all we can to to show the evidence that, that that this is the sensible way forward. Let's trust that the that evidence will will tell. So um, I want to thank you both very much for your time today. I uh, really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, and um, and for our listeners, um, just a reminder that uh, we're available on all your uh, favourite podcast provider. Uh, and uh, do give us a rating as well. Uh, five stars would be lovely, but any <laughs> rating helps. So uh, we appreciate that. once again, uh, we'll speak to you on another pod very soon. Thank you. Bye bye.
0: You've been listening to The Airline Briefing, the industry affairs podcast from IATA. For more information and the latest news on all the most crucial issues facing aviation today, go to IATA.org or follow IATA on social media.